We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Nerds. This is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm excited to be joined here today with Danny Goodwin. He is the managing editor of Momentology. Danny, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, I think we met in person for the first time at PubCon last year, so that was good to finally meet in person. I know, with this industry, you just know people so yeah. much from online. It's really nice when you know you can get together and actually meet and talk in person. I know. What a crazy and, concept, right? I know. And PubCon is the craziest because I see people and I recognize them from their profile photos on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, have I really met them in person or do I, am I just stalking them on Twitter? I know. I've had those cases where I'm like, I think I've met this person before, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, and I love PubCon, too. It's almost like summer camp every year. Going yeah, back a, I always consider it like the Super Bowl of the search conferences because <laughs> everybody, you know, it's like going to Mecca or something. <laughs> I know, it's, and it's so fun, too. So I'm glad we met. Yeah, it was great. So today I thought it'd be really cool since we're both basically the head editors of our publications, it would be cool to talk about, you know, that side of it and the editorial process. And then we both have a journalism background. So I thought that'd be interesting to talk about too, because even if those of you guys listening aren't editors, um, learning more about journalism, I think can really help with writing for the web. And so I thought that'd be cool to talk about. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, before you were managing editor at Momentology, you were the associate editor at Search Engine Watch. How did you get into the editorial side of marketing? So, yeah, essentially it all comes back to copy editing. Um, So I grew up in newspapers. I majored in journalism at a community college in Massachusetts, Um, worked at the college paper there, and it was a really successful college newspaper. Uh, it, it was basically expected to win the top college prize every year, which was called the wow. Pacemaker, which is sort of like the college equivalent of the Pulitzer, for lack oh. of a better, you know, lack of a better analogy. But yeah, it was almost like you know they had. To, I, I don't even remember how many years straight, but I think it was something like ten at least years straight that they had won. So it was like, okay, I'm in a really serious place. i got to be serious about this writing thing. So, um, And through that place, uh, it's, it took me to another place, which was uh, the Eagle Tribune, which was a local newspaper that was based out of Lawrence, Massachusetts. And they had won a couple Pulitzer Prizes for breaking news reporting. So it's like going from award-winning this to award-winning that. It's like, oh, you know, this is a pretty cool thing, you know. So it was, you know, I just, from that, I guess the, the, um, just the feeling that you're, you're at a place where writing is a big deal. You know, these people work really hard to make sure that they're reporting facts accurately and they're writing about interesting stories and, you know, they want to put out the best 
headlines that will grab readers' attention, make them read this content, which, you know, content or a story, as it used to be called. Um, you know, just you want to inform, you want to inspire, you want to entertain, you want to educate. It's, you know, newspapers to marketing. It's, you know, pretty much transitional. So, I mean, even design, too. It's like, you know... I sort of was, I would jokingly say that, like, newspaper is the pilgrim version of the web, in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the ancient artifacts of newspapers. But, you know, it was an amazing learning experience because, you know, you're, you're learning from all these people who have done these great things. And you just want to be that much better and make sure that you belong there. So, and I mean... And when I started, too, it was, like, right when the web was starting. So it wasn't as big as, as it is now. So, you know, newspapers were still, like, a really big deal. It's not like anyone could just go online and get their own blog. So, um, you know, it's like today kids are growing up with tablets and smartphones, and I grew up with typewriters and rotary phones, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's just amazing how, how much the world has progressed in that little time from, like, the late 90s to today. And, yeah, it's just that's sort of how it all started. So I got uh, near the end of my run there, I got really into copy editing and page design. And that's sort that's how I, uh, you know, I applied to search engine watch from there. And that's sort of how I got into the marketing field. So, and of course, you know, doing newspapers, you follow all sorts of marketing stories. So I knew all about Google and, you know, that's just sort of where it all started. It's all newspapers. and Yeah, that's good. I think yeah. that that's really helpful. I, I wrote for my college newspaper. I went to Kansas State, and we didn't win any equivalents of Pulitzers or anything. But I, I mainly did opinion columns, and I we always had a conservative, a conservative person, and then a liberal person, and I was the liberal. Mm. So I would. It was the craziest thing, and they publish your photo with your articles. And so mine would come out every Friday, and I'd go to parties, and people would recognize me and always have something to say because Kansas is a conservative state. And so mm -hmm. that was really interesting, um, but it kind of gave me my first taste of not only being published, but people having a reaction to what you write. And I always thought that that was really cool that you know, people are listening to what you say and it can change their opinion of not only you, but of the thing you're talking about. Because anyway, I, I'm not going to go into it, but I did an article about um, the morning after pill and a lot of girls emailed me and said, I had no idea that it was this and not this. And so you helped me a lot. And so that kind of showed me that, you know, getting published does have a power. Mm. And so... My, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, my degree is in English Lit and Creative Writing, and so I kind of moved into marketing because I didn't, I knew I wanted to write, but I also wanted to make a lot of money, and so mm -hmm. right. marketing was kind of a, a more realistic leap from just trying to get published as a writer. Absolutely. So, Plus, you double your income easily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, and so I... I think today, how do you think, you know, your background in journalism helps you today with your role at Momentology? Well, I, I like to think back to, um, you know, today it's so easy to get things wrong. You know, like CNN makes a living off of getting things wrong. <laughs> it's sort of like we're in that weird culture now. Yeah. Like back when I started, you know, 
the the importance of trust was just there. You know, it was like uh-huh. you, you need your audience to trust that what you're saying is you know, fair and accurate and um, you know, it has an impact on what they're doing in their lives and things they need to know about. So, and of course, you know, there's no worse feeling too as a writer for getting something wrong. And, you know, nowadays it's easy. It's like, okay, we'll just correct that online. But, you know, when it was in print, it was just there. Like you couldn't fix it. Yeah. You know, like not on one of my, uh, my, one of my first roles at the newspaper was I had to do obituaries. Now, if you make a mistake on an obituary, you're going to hear about it from a grieving family. And it's not pretty. So, um, and I mean, those experiences stay with you. And that's that stuff. I mean, as they always say, you know, your greatest failures are stepping stones to your greatest success. So, I mean, thankfully, I didn't make a ton of mistakes. But, you know, and when you do, you can't dwell on them either. You just have to sort of shake it off, you know, Taylor Swift style. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, back in the day, you couldn't make it in writing if you couldn't be trusted or you couldn't even write well. So, um, I think, you know, just that whole trust and the ability to write are like two of the biggest things that journalism have, has taught me the importance of, um, you know, I saw so many people who wanted to do journalism, but it's like, you'd see the churn every semester. It'd be like half as uh-huh. many people as there were the, you know, the prior semester. So, and I mean, a lot of it too is passion, I think, because, you know, we're essentially doing this because we want to create, we're creative people. Yes. Yes. Uh, you either want to create or you don't. You know what I mean? There's no yes. faking it. There's no in between there. It's not. There's no half-assing creativity. You either are or you aren't. So you have to. And the other part of that too is with you know newspapers and even to an extent what we do now. Um, you have to embrace chaos. You know because uh-huh. I'm sure you have days where it's like I don't know what we're going to publish today, but I know we're probably going to have you know four or five articles. And that that's kind of like the sc- the most scary and thrilling part of this job. It's like you don't know what you're going to have, but you know it's going to be good. So you just sort of have to believe that you know the story is going to find you. So yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, and in the marketing industry, whenever something breaks with search, it's definitely that same chaotic feeling that I'm sure mm-hmm. reporters feel whenever something, you know big happens obviously it's not on the same scale as like a disaster or something but just feeling that kind of adrenaline at getting the the story out as fast as you can and at SCJ we try to break news really fast and then if it appears high in Google in the Google news for that term we're all excited and we email oh, yeah. each other and so it's it is exciting to be able to do that but you like you said you have to have the passion for it and you have to care about getting those really good stories out. And I think that's something that journalists and marketers have in common, even if you're not a marketing writer or publisher. If you're you know, doing marketing for your clients, if you have that same passion to get their story out, you know, you're gonna be successful. And so I think, yeah. I think too, to your point about the fear of messing up, that is still very real because as you know, a site grows or as a publisher gets more and more readers, you hear about it when there's a spelling mistake or a wrong link. I mean, people will email me, they'll leave comments that say stuff like, oh, well, Search Engine Journal's really gone downhill. They missed this (laughs) Oxford comma. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
it's uh it's pretty hard pressure but like you said i mean it kind of helps you rise to the occasion and do the best job you can while mm -hmm. still being human <laughs> exactly i mean yeah i always actually took that you know like the really nitpicky stuff as a compliment because it made you know made me think well people are really reading us and they care about us so that's mm -hmm. like a really good sign in my opinion yeah. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you have passionate people who think a lot of what you do and they expect, you know, they have high standards of you. So you have to have like even higher standards for yourself. I mean, you can't always match them, but you know, you want to, as the old saying is, you know, you want to aim for perfection and catch excellence. That's like one of my favorites, you know, even yeah. if you can't, you can never be perfect, but you can always be, you know, you can be excellent. So that's one thing you definitely always want to strive for. Yes, I agree. And I it's funny, we have a resident commenter on SCJ. He goes he doesn't even use his real name. His name on SCJ is R. Rogerson. Mm -hmm. And or probably Rogerson, not Rogerson. Yeah. He um he comments on almost every article and at first and a lot of the comments were pretty harsh. So I took the opportunity instead of you know, kind of writing him off, and these comments are hundreds of words long. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of took the opportunity to get to know him because I figure, wow, he likes SCJ so much to be spending that much time on our site and, you know, reading all the articles and writing comments. And so now we've kind of grown into a, a pretty good relationship and he'll, 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 he'll email me when things are wrong with the site or if something's wrong. And mm -hmm. it's, it is difficult to hear, but I do appreciate it because it's, like you said, it shows that he cares and he wants SCJ to be a good resource, which is what we try to do every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, feedback is part of the thing too with journalism. You know, if you don't get that feedback, you can't really grow. You know, you don't, nobody just gets a trophy for showing up when you're, you know, trying to put out a great publication, mm -hmm. you have to earn it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There's no, uh, you know, there's no awesome, unique snowflakes here given <laughs> by default. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to earn it. You really have to earn it. That's the good thing about writing. It's like there's, there are rules you have to meet. The, you know, there's a certain basic standard for writing that you have to meet. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is so I, I quickly learned when I became editor at Search Engine Journal that it was crucial for me to stay up to date with everything as much as I could that was happening in marketing because we're covering it. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to get your thoughts on how you stay relevant in our industry. I mean, are there any websites you love, any other news sources besides your own site that you enjoy going to or podcasts that you think are great? Because I think our audience would love to hear other places, you know, to hear about marketing strategies and news. Sure. I mean, there's a ton, but, um, so I've actually done something kind of radically different in the last couple months. I've been, I've, I used to, well, of course I did Google reader, but once that went away, I, I moved to Feedly when I was at SEW, that was just starting. So I think at one point I probably had a list of I want to say like 300 or so publications in my feed Wow! because yeah, when I was at SCW, we were very news focused. So I, every time I would find, you know, a story from somewhere that go to my RSS feed, you know, it's like anytime there was a place where you might get a story someday, save it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'll, you know, when I was first putting my list of RSS feeds together, my two places I went to sort of start that was Google News and also Search Cap from Search Engine Land because, you know, Search Cap sort of recaps um, some of the top stories from around the web. You'll find some really good websites from that. Um, so that's where I get a lot of my RSS feeds. And I think Top Rank has this really amazing but somewhat now outdated page of some like 200 or so marketing sites. Uh, you'll have to sort of weave through some of them because a few of them no longer exist, but I found some real gems in there. Um, nowadays, my focus is more on the, the digital marketing rather than the search, so I've reduced my daily output of stories by probably, oh, I don't even know. I think I went from getting a thousand headlines a day down to like 200. So it's been a, <laughs> a huge wow. relief, big time saver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like a lot of the bigger, um, advertising sites like, you know, Digiday is a really good one that I, I tend to go to a lot. I still go to search engine land because they, they tend to find all the stories from around the web. Um, and the other thing, interesting thing I'm doing, which I didn't finish my point, so I've sort of moved away from the RSS thing right now. I'm trying to experiment where I'm just doing Twitter lists. So I've oh. created a list of all the brands that I like. So it's, you know, it's everything from Adweek to AdAge to SEJ to, um, you know, like some of the smaller places, um, like uh, the blogs like Convince and Convert and you know, this is so many different ones that I couldn't even name them all if I tried. But I think I have I've narrowed it down to like fifty publications that I find myself going to the most, um, and that's just sort of how I've done it. So I I think that's that's kind of an interesting way to do it because you sort of see what those publications favor as what you know what what the news is. And it's sort of my opinion now, if you're not tweeting it, it's not important. So <laughs> I don't know. I just sort of, I'm, I'm seeing if that actually works, but it's been kind of interesting so far. And I've also found that you lose some of like, as my old home was search engine watch. So I've noticed that when I'm going through my feed every morning, they're not posting at the times I'm reading. And I'm like, maybe they're doing more like focusing on the UK now because it seems like their editors are now UK based. So huh. it seems like they're sort of neglecting the US time zones. That's just one thing I've noticed. So, I mean, that's just another reminder that, you know, you should pay attention to your time zones when, when you're tweeting out your yeah, stories because sure. every, everyone's all around the world reading you. So you don't want to miss anybody. Yeah, we always try to look at our uh, top sources by country. So, of course, it's the U.S. And then um, India, I think, is our third most mm. highly populated uh, or most, like, popular country that yep. people read it. So we've kind of, you know, talked about that. Like, well, you know, for some articles, should we, you know, think about the times or for uh, native advertising posts that we have, if they're UK based, we'll change the time based on that when the mm -hmm. UK audience will be online. So yeah, I agree. It's definitely, you have to pay attention to your audience and see 
what's best for them. But I, your Twitter list idea is really interesting because I, I feel like I'm kind of at an impasse right now because I, like you, I loved Google Reader. Mm-hmm. And after that, I used Blog Lovin, which I mm-hmm. did like, but on the mobile app, you had to click on Read More and open mm-hmm. it up in a browser. I couldn't read the whole post in the app, which I really hate. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in Feedly, but I don't really like Feedly. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, well, should I try another RSS reader? I don't know. So that Twitter list idea, I might have to try that because I just feel like overwhelmed now by RSS readers because yeah. I probably have a hundred blogs on here. I mean, I have business blogs, finance blogs, marketing blogs, healthy living, yeah. entrepreneurship. So it's like, oh my God, I can't keep up with all these. And so maybe a Twitter list would be a little less intimidating. <laughs> I think so. It's it's been pretty it's been pretty interesting. I'll just say that. I, I can't draw any good conclusions yet, but yeah, I've definitely found it it's a time saver. I can sort of just scan through everything and you know, thirty minutes versus you know, I, I found Feedly to be a, a major time sink. So yeah, you know, it's just like you have to click on every story, and you know, <laughs> yeah, the layout was terrible. There's no search, so it's just like, what am I using it for? <laughs> yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. Hopefully, you know, that's some good advice for everyone listening. And if you feel overwhelmed, you know, change it up because I think staying relevant is really important as if you're a marketer. Um, Another, I was trying to think of other questions that would be interesting for people to hear about. And so one thing people ask me a lot about, which kind of surprised me when it started happening, but they want to know you know, what is it like handling outside contributors? And, you know, are there any crazy stories of people who have tried to submit weird content or who've been fake or anything like that? Has What's your experience been with, you know, juggling contributors um, that maybe aren't employees of the same company as you, or the same publisher, I guess? So I guess the hardest thing is uh, there are days where it feels like you're herding cattle and just chasing people all around. Yeah. That's probably like the biggest thing because, um, and you know what, I'm guilty of it too. If I'm being honest, you know, it, when I when I agree to guest blog somewhere, and this is just fair warning, if I ever agree to guest blog for SEJ, which could happen <laughs> okay. at some point soon. But um, yeah, I, I I'm terrible with deadlines, even though. I'm so good at making people keep them. I'm terrible myself at keeping them. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what it is about about the column, but it makes people just not deliver on time. But, I mean, in all fairness, you know, this isn't a paid gig. They're, they're doing this because they love to do it and they want to be known. So, mm-hmm. you, have, you know, you just have to put up with the deadlines. Um, we didn't have any problems with, in terms of fake sorts of issues. Uh, we did have one issue at SEW where a writer for one SEO tool, which I will not name, wrote another article in which he basically bashed and made a bunch of claims that weren't true about a competing tool. And that, oh, that made it through the editorial process by some fluke. So, um, yeah, that, that was probably one of the, the worst things. It wasn't a huge disaster, but anything like that that slips through is never a good thing. You know, that was probably one of the biggest failures, you know, as f- from editing that I remember. Yeah, because the content you publish is a reflection on you, even though you didn't write it. 
Right. You're publishing it, so you're basically vouching for it. Absolutely. So, so yeah. It is tough. I mean, there are a couple other, like, minor things that I I think of off the top of my head. Like, uh, when you get to the point where you're managing, you know, 20, 30 or more people every month, there's there's always the concern I have of duplication. And, you know, you you have to – so I – it varies, but usually I do try to take a more hands-on approach with writers and just say, hey, what are you thinking about writing? Because I want to make sure first that they're not – you know, redoing something that's already been done on the site or something that somebody else is already working on. But, you know, there's no central hub where everyone just posts their topics that they're writing. So you have to be the quality control there to sort of, to just make sure that you're not, you know, I consider wasting people's time because you don't want two people doing the same thing. That's, that's terrible. So, yeah. And I mean, the other the other toughest part, probably for me, is actually when you lose great writers because you know, either for time constraints or whatever it is, you know, it's like you 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 know, it's sort of like a mutual relationship where you, you want to make them look good because they make you look good. So, yeah. and then when you when you lose them, it's like oh, so it's like losing a family member in a way because uh, I know it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I've begged people to come back on Twitter and. You know, if somebody writes an amazing piece of content or they have been regularly and then they stop, I miss them because I think now, you know, we're almost in content overload. I feel like, Mm. you know, going back to the idea of being overwhelmed with the RSS reader, there is just so much amazing stuff to Mm -hmm. read. And so you want to, it's almost like we have to step up even higher to get noticed. And so... Uh, whenever we're researching titles that we're going to ask contributors to claim, because um, we release title ideas to our writers once a month and they can mm-hmm. claim them, oh. um, we do research on, okay, well, what haven't we first covered in Search Engine Journal for a while? Mm-hmm. And two, has this been covered already in depth somewhere else? And I, I do that process, too, whenever I'm writing for my own blog or for you know, clients, I think I do research on if I have a topic, well, if this has already been covered to death elsewhere, there's not really a use in writing it yourself unless you have a unique spin on it or you can add something new. I mean, just because you're writing content, it doesn't mean that you're suddenly, like you said, going to get a gold star and you're a magical princess. Right, right. (laughs) You have to be awesome and take a new spin on it, you know, And, and maybe part of that my opinion on that goes back to my time that at an as an opinion columnist because people would notice and you'd get more feedback the more unique you were or the higher you know the more controversial opinion you have and and I'm not saying all articles should be controversial or make people mm-hmm. mad but just the idea of you want to write something that gets people's attention and yep. that should be what you're thinking about every time whether you're writing something or you're editing something or you're assigning posts you have to think, is this useful? And is this even interesting? Would I read this article? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And another good thing too, and in terms of being controversial, it doesn't necessarily have to be something outrageous. It could just be, you know, taking an idea that's batted around as gospel and saying, you know, maybe we should rethink this idea, you yeah, know, that's true. Um, and that's a tough one to do. You have to be really talented to pull it off. But I think more people could do that and 
should do that. You know, there's no reason to just keep repeating the same essential information slightly different over and over again. You know, take take a slightly different, make people think. You know, agreed. Especially in marketing, that there's so many things that aren't concrete, like best practices or whatever. Yes. I mean, we have best practices, but. It's just things that everyone decided are best practices, you know, based on pretty much on proof. But there's some stuff people swear by that other SEOs or marketers are saying, no, don't, that's terrible, don't do that. So I think, you know, examining all the different angles you can really creates some good content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so we accidentally kind of went over our time. But oh I think that's good. I mean, it was a good conversation. And so to kind of close it out, I mean, I could keep talking to you about editorial stuff forever. So I might have to have you on again. Oh, absolutely. It'd be <laughs> great. I think we only got about halfway through all the stuff I had on I my know. notes. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. Um, but I will ask you one more question to leave our listeners with, which was the last thing I was going to ask you. Um, for people that are looking to write for Momentology or for other big publishers, what are some tips or advice you would give both when it comes to actually writing the content and then pitching your content to publishers? Okay. Um, first thing, sort of think of it from the publisher's side. So their goal is not to help you. Your goal is to help them. So do some research on the topics they cover, look for content holes, and, you know, make sure that something that you want to write about is a fit for them and that they haven't done it or done it a bunch of times and you have something unique to offer. Um, uh, and pitch, the way I always used to like to test out people would be, I, if someone said, I want to write for SEW or I want to write for Momentology, I'll, I'll say to them, okay, Come back to me with three to five of your best ideas and tell me them in terms of a headline. And if that doesn't tell me enough information, tell me in one or two paragraphs what you're going to cover. From that, you can tell if a lot, you know, you can basically tell if, if the topic is a good match and if, you know, they have really good ideas that are worth uh, publishing. Um, in terms of the actual writing, I just posted this on Twitter the other day and I absolutely love it. It was a, a sort of like an infographic from Ogilvy and they had some, it was some really great advice on how to write. Well, you know, write the way you talk, which is naturally use short words, short sentences and short paragraphs. Try to avoid jargon words because those are the hallmarks of a pretentious ass. <laughs> and there, this one is harder to uh, ballpark in terms of what we do you know, with editing for a publication, but their advice was never write more than two pages on any topic. I'm not sure what that translates to in terms of words, but I mean, I'd say, you know, I sort of like posts that are a thousand words or less. And I think in the future, I know there's a lot of talk about that, you know, you should have longer or bigger content, but I think we're going to see a switch away from that where we're going to go to shorter, better. Uh, especially with, you know, how mobile is, uh, a lot of people are consuming content on mobile and they don't want really long content. So Good point. I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing, how that plays out with long form versus short form. And I don't know how Google's going to make sense of any of it. So <laughs> that's the key and why you want to build a good, you know, brand following 
and you know loyal audience so it's all the call comes back to that you want to just make sure you're putting out the best content and making sure people can find it no matter how long it is just just be the best answer whether it takes you yes. 500 words or a thousand words just exactly. be the best answer quality over quantity guidelines i'd say absolutely absolutely i think my biggest tip goes back to the passion so I can tell right away when someone's writing an article for us that just wants to sneak a link in versus oh, yeah. someone who actually is excited about the topic or they want to build themselves up as a thought leader. I can instantly tell. And so instead of thinking of ways to try to be shady or try to game the system, you know, I think you should focus on writing about what makes you happy and write about what you're interested in. You know, Absolutely. every time I don't understand something, and usually this is in Google Analytics because Google Analytics is super complex to me, um, I'll say, well, why don't I write an article on it? And so that'll help me learn more about, you know, a certain report that just came out or something on analytics or whatever it is. And that's a good way to come up with content ideas. And, and I always think, too, if I'm wondering about this, I'm sure someone else is. Absolutely. So, and similarly, too, if, you know, you're experiencing a problem, you know, as a marketer or an SEL or whatever it is, if you're having this problem, I can guarantee you that someone else is. So that's exactly. that's, a, that's, that's a post right there, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, uh, Danny, thank you so much for joining me. It's awesome conversation. Absolutely. It was a great, great talk. Hope to do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Again, this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal and Danny Goodwin, Managing Editor of Momentology. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.